Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, certified executive coach, Geno's emotional intelligence practitioner, and president of Operation Kickstart, Trevor Blondiel. Hey, what you drinking? What I'm getting from your uh, your interpretation in this conversation is that leadership is really about being vulnerable. And by vulnerability, I'm not suggesting that you should go around touting all the things that you can't do well, that all the things that you don't know and how incompetent that you are, because that doesn't inspire confidence <laughs> for anyone in anything, right? But, you know, one of the conversations I had at the beginning of of a season three, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with one of my original mentors. And I only worked for Joe Cavalier, Joe Cavalier for two years, but I must have thought about Joe Cavalier for 28 years. As I make decisions, I'm often wondering how might Joe approach this? And when I get on the, on the podcast conversation with him, I ask him a question and, you know, I've been thinking all, you know, a while about how I want to have this conversation with one of my original mentors. And I said, well, Joe, how do you, how did you handle this? How did you do this thing? And his answer was, I don't know. I, I don't know how I did it. I just felt my way through it. And that level of authenticity, that level of vulnerability really just reinforced why he has represented such a strong space in my mind for 28 years. And I think that there's an opportunity as, as I'm listening to you for leaders to be more vulnerable in saying, I don't know how we're going to get there. I just know that we're going to get there. Let's spend some time talking about the best way. I've got some ideas, but I'd love to get your thoughts about these ideas. That's a different approach than this notion that we used to have that the leader is supposed to be the smartest person in the room. I love how you bring up, don't be confused of, you can't go out as a leader and then just say, yeah, I really don't think we're going to make the timeline. <laughs> I mean, that, that is not vulnerability. Vulnerability looks more like, hey, what else should we be doing to make sure we hit this timeline? I don't know if I've covered everything. I love your, I love your ideas on that. And, and just being that person that you can still have confidence and lead the group and have the vision and not be a know-it-all, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and it is, I think that's the magic Alan, of the, the leaders that we, that we emulate and, and like to work for are the ones that, Hey, I know this person's going to steer us the, the ship in, in the right direction. And he or she needs all of us and I'm a part of it and I'm valued. And that input uh, gets me motivated. And th that is that balance. So I love the, yeah, let, let's just be clear here. This doesn't mean saying, I don't think we're going to make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, you're, you're paid in order to, you're paid to make <laughs> the timeline. You're paid to deliver the plan. 
another one of my mentors, uh, Mr. Stan Hutchin, he used to always say, your job is to know what's driving your business and then deliver the plan anyway, right? Know what's driving the business, know what the barriers are, know what the challenges are, but then deliver the plan anyway, because there's always an anomaly. And another thing Stan was always fond of saying that, you know, the thing about anomalies is that one happens every year. We just don't know what the anomaly is going to be this year. Our job is to know what's driving the business, but deliver the plan anyway. And this ties right back to our how we met and the whole think and grow rich. If you think you're going to hit that timeline, then you're going to hit it. Or there's a very good chance you will. And when the team sees that and say, hey, you know what? I see us hitting this timeline. I don't see all the details of how we get there, but I know in this room, we got the ideas to get there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, so we're going to hit the timeline. That's our thoughts. So I love the whole, you can take, you can tie so many of Napoleon Hill's concepts. Like you said, it's like the 1937, like before leadership books were a fad, this was real. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich because my listeners, they hear me talk about Think and Grow Rich. They may know that I do this show on a weekly basis with the International Mastermind Association with Miss Ann McNeil. Ann McNeil has actually been a guest uh, on our show. So has Miss Havilah Malone, who is an actress, an author, a speaker. And she's Napoleon Hill certified, right? Mm. So talk talk a little bit about what is the significance of this book, Think and Grow Rich. I've said a couple of times to a couple of clients, two things. Number one, if you have never read Think and Grow Rich, number one, never ever tell anyone that you've never read <laughs> Think and Grow Rich, because it's just one of those books that's foundational to being successful, especially if your success is coming through education, being an educated person. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing is if you have not read Think and Grow Rich, stop what you're doing right now and go order the book, Think and Grow Rich and read the book. So why is this book such a cornerstone for so many people? We're talking about People like Bruce Lee, people like Will Smith, people like Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey. Why is this book so beloved and admired and followed uh, and studied by so many successful people? Well, being a manufacturing guy, Andrew Carnegie, you know, who, who kind of kicked off Napoleon to, to write it, steel manufacturer. This is a person that you, you think of manufacturing and there's no woohoo. It's just, it's making metal and it's all serious and bottom line and, and take out the emotion. And, and it's, it's not true. There's thoughts and, and it's not just about getting rich. It's, it's the thoughts of what you set your mind to is what it becomes. And we have control over that. And if we can continue to envision and talk about success then you're going to be more successful. Like you can't just lay on the couch and, and think about it. I mean, you got to get up and get up every day and take actions towards it. The biggest takeaway for me from, from that book is that I've been in a mastermind for four years and I would not be probably talking to you right now, Galen, and being on your podcast if I didn't have that mastermind because all these 
connections and you know we can fail on our own but success happens with many other people on that journey wait a second wait a second you got to say that again i love that i fail on my own but when i bring in galen and ann and i'm having people in my life that i can have great dialogue with that really see life as an abundance right the pie gets bigger it isn't about like i need my share and when i meet people and you surround yourself with abundance mindset and not scarcity. Whereas like, you know, am I going to get this position over this person? You know, am I going to get this business over someone else? And just changing your whole mindset of like, hey, we all need help. There's enough pie to, to go go around. And these masterminds of just connections and, and relationships, I believe it's every every business and it's it's having that whiskey <laughs> and conversation and then i've really learned that the more that i say yes to helping someone mm-hmm. then all of a sudden someone shows up my door helping me like how is that possible and but try it read the book try it, it it's like it really does work you, you be kind kindness comes back tenfold yeah that that is one of those concepts that sound pollyannish it sounds too good to be true it sounds like yeah, Galen, I heard about the whiskey, but what are you smoking over there, right? <laughs> and it just, it seems to be true. And I've said a couple of times, I don't know how this works. I just know that it seems to work. And this book really does lay out how to accomplish successful things on purpose. Any of us can be successful by accident, but how do you intentionally say, this is what I want to accomplish? And here is my plan for making it happen. Uh, I'm going to create the environment where making it happen becomes not only a possibility, but a foregone concluded reality. So what would you say to people who listen to this, thinking that Trevor and Galen are, are doing more than just drinking whiskey and that this is just way too good to be true? Try it and write it down. Like when you start documenting it and and the audio version through audible has a workbook that you can download through it and i actually just redid it and it just helped me by kind of like writing down like if if i do want to hit these goals like so so what so what what's what's the reason for that who's going to benefit from that what's the importance of it you know is it is it for your community is it for your your children is it for your family and when you kind of go through and when you write it down, it's different, right? You you got to say your affirmations, but you got to write them. And you start writing that down and just start something small. And when you experience just a small part, it's like golf, right? You, you get one good shot, you land that one on the green, you want to come back and play it again. And th- this is just some of the, and one of the chapters is about discipline, right? This is just part of that discipline of doing it. I mean, hey, if you think about it, do you want to wake up every day and worry about what's going to happen? Or, or you know, you get into that conversation with someone of, you know, what if this happens? And it's kind of like, or do you want to wake up and think, hey, you know what? It's going to be a great day. And this goal is going to be attained this year. Why not? <laughs> I, I love the way you said, just try it. Because that is really the first step to almost anything. 
you know, we, we know what your current space is doing. We, we know what your current accomplishment, your, your current um, methods are resulting in. Why not try something that everyone else seems to be saying there's something to this? And uh, again, you know, this, this is a process that I would not imagine that this process would cause me to get up every Saturday morning at 530 <laughs> to talk to people about the importance of making this happen. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. I don't know that I do that for other people. I think largely I'm doing that for myself because the way that I'm built, when I learn something, I, I learn it academically. I learn it intellectually. But when I'm accountable for teaching someone else, there's a certain level of responsibility for getting underneath it, really, if I am responsible for teaching someone else. So I think my campaign, my crusade for teaching this philosophy is so that I will feel the responsibility of learning it deeper and for trying it and for staying consistent and for, uh, you know, leveraging it wherever I can. What are some things that you've done or that you do to keep yourself at the top of the game that if you were just doing it for other people, you might have a tendency or a temptation to take a shortcut, but because this is not only going to benefit them, it's going to benefit you because you've got to teach them. You've got to speak about it. You've got to, you've got to live it that you maybe show up, maybe do a do a couple of extra reps. Uh, you, you might, you might, stay in the plan a little longer. You might read a little extra because you know you've got to be responsible for teaching. Does that does that ever happen to you? Last week, my mother said, you know, it's good that you're going to see that person because they may need some of what you have. And I kind of got into a more of a conversation on that. Every morning I wake up and I always write down three actions or memories of the last 24 hours that I'm grateful for. Like what, what happened that's good? And then what is, what is one intention I have so that I'm, I'm, I get into that right mindset in the morning and have that? You can't just go and, and preach to other people. It's what you said, Galen. It's how do you understand it so well that you can just create dialogue and get people thinking about it? And the best way to say it's kind of like, I had someone say to me, it's like, you seem like you're at peace with yourself. And it was just a great opportunity to just have a deeper conversation of wh where's your peace at? And and, and what are you doing and what's working for you and, and what's working for me? And right, I've had some struggles, but this is kind of where, where I'm at. And when we see that responsibility we have just as a person to, when I spent time with Galen, did I leave him feeling better than when he first saw me? Can, can we do that? And, it, and I believe in a lot of those concepts that come out of there is it is about, it's funny because you think, think and grow rich. Well, that's about you getting rich, right? Well, it's not. It's 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 bigger than you, and in that platform, if you are in a financial situation where you can help more people, that's when it works. And if you don't have that continuing mindset, if you're not giving away to others, if you're not helping, then you're not going to have a rich life. And and I think that conversation with my mom, I'm thinking like, yeah, you're right. I I need to spend time with that person and not preach dialogue. I love it. I love it. You know, a, another concept that is 
taken right out of the book Thinking or Rich is this idea of your invisible board of directors. In, in the book, Napoleon Hill calls it your invisible council. Since I'm more of a corporate dude, I, I, I change it to your invisible board of directors. And you've got two people on your invisible board of directors, Rudy, who's your cousin, and Brene Brown. Talk to me a little bit about who Rudy is and why Brene Brown? So I always talk about Rudy because uh, he was the youngest police chief in the province of Ontario, and he, and he ran the police college for the Ontario Provincial Police. He was the director there. And before I kind of went off on my own, he gave me a book, Simon Sinek Starts With Why. And he, signed, he had it signed and he given it to me. We talked about maybe doing business ourselves, And he went through a lot of stress and, 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 and through these jobs and internalized a lot. And he ended up passing away from, from cancer not long after I started my business. And that's, that's how it goes. And he's still on my board of directors because I, I think about him often. And it's kind of like, what would Rudy do? And he was my cousin, but he was like 12 years older than me. So we were never really close, but we got closer in, in age. But he just kind of had that mentorship for me. So he's kind of always there. And Simon Sinek really helped me figure out like, this is, I need to do this and, and grounding more to who you talked about that Galen more on how you bring out people's own gifts and their values. And how do you have dialogue to do that? And I think Simon helped me with that and, and Rudy with giving me that book. So that, that is a deep personal connection for me, which makes me feel good. And it makes me feel good that you asked me about them uh, because they don't go away if you keep talking about them, right? And then, you know, Brene with her Netflix special and that, that first TED Talk. And even now, like Atlas of the Heart, 86 different emotions broken down. I, I really lean on her in, in, in many ways of, of the fact of, under, I was not a person that wanted to talk about emotions. I didn't understand why we needed to do that and therapy and all this talk. And it's like, but it's it, we do need to talk about it. And I go back to one one of her, her definition of, of connection, which is being seen, heard, and valued. Right. That that's that's really kind of her foundation. And I, I really believe that she is going to go down as one of the most influential leaders ever. And I think her work's just begun. So if you don't follow her, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Wow. You, you know, one of the things too, and I, I think that there's a connection between Brene Brown and how we started this conversation around leadership. And I wonder if employees that are caught up in this quiet quitting or whatever the f catchphrase is today is basically employees saying the way that business has been done in the past, where check your emotions at the door. That is making it difficult for me to connect with this organization. And if you're not willing to connect with me, then I'm unwilling to connect with you. I wonder if that is a wake up call for leaders to come from behind the title, come from behind the facade and actually connect with people uh, and that just reminds me of some things that you said earlier in this conversation, but what's your idea around the importance of connection and creating and the leaders creating that connection as it pertains to not only getting the most from their people, but creating a space where your people actually want to be there. I get so excited when leaders will talk to me about 
this conversation or this performance issue of maybe maybe it's a peer, maybe it's their boss, maybe it's it's it, oftentimes it is one of their employees. And I always love asking the question. So when you, when you sat down just one on one and you had this conversation, what did they say? I'm so curious. And oftentimes it'll be, well, they know that there's an issue, right? And uh, we kind of talked about it when we were walking, you know, into that boardroom. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Do you think they really understand that? A couple of weeks ago, we're having this conversation. And it's about Bob. Bob just doesn't like me. Like, it doesn't, like, and this is one of, uh, this is a maintenance tech that reports to a maintenance manager. It's like, okay, so like, what, what's your thoughts? What are you going to do about that? And I said, well, you know, try to avoid them and, you know, just be nice. And, and it's kind of like, okay, hold on. How's that been working? Well, not really well. I said, do you want to try something different? Okay. So, so I gave him just three questions. I said, just write these three questions down. Bob, what's going on? And he says, yeah, well, you know, if you just, if I say that, he's just going to say nothing. We're fine. So, okay. I'm going to steal from Brene here, but start your sentence with, I feel. You, you can't say, Bob, you're doing this. You can't. That, that's not the way you want to you start that. No one can contest how you feel. I used to do it all the time. I used to say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Dude, who are you to tell me how I'm feeling? <laughs> just say, you know, if you go and just say, hey, I feel that maybe some of my behavior is, is causing a disconnect here. And I could be wrong, but this is just kind of how I feel. I just, you know, just kind of open up with that. And, and if he's still maybe not opening up, then at the end, you just kind of say, well, I need your help. Because I don't, I don't know why I got this in my head, Bob. Just try it, just with that, and 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 he did, and he's getting, he's getting a conversation now, right? There, there's some underlying concerns that we didn't know about, but it just comes back to that. Hey, let's have some dialogue. It's okay to say a little bit of emotion. Like I feel that I've maybe upset you. I don't know. We're gonna figure this out together. I love it. Even within that is is a degree of vulnerability, right? Because in order to have a real conversation, you've got to demonstrate that you are a real person. <laughs> and that's what vulnerability is about. And Brene Brown is the, is the queen of leveraging vulnerability. So it, is, it does not surprise me at all to hear that she is on your board. She's probably chairing a few committees on your board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, man, I, I am so enjoying this conversation. If you've got a few more minutes, man, I've got to bring you into the VIP room. All right. Uh, so that we can continue this conversation. But what are some final thoughts that you might have for listeners on this side who, who hang out on this side of the velvet rope? They haven't made that transition yet to become a VIP. I don't know what they're waiting on, but, <laughs> you know, they just they, they they've decided that five bucks is too much to spend to become a VIP. Yes, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. So what what would you leave for those people who, uh, you know, really want to do this leadership thing at a different level? Uh, and that's why they listen in to Whiskey Jazz and Leadership for tips on how they can elevate their leadership game. If you could just make one commitment, just to go out and have a conversation with one person that you may not be as connected to as you would like to, and then just discuss this topic, discuss this podcast, and just have a deeper conversation with one person and just have that curiosity of, Asking those questions, what's going on? And maybe just ask, like, how are we doing? And we never really talk about that. How am I impacting you? Am I, am I helping you? 
and just how come out with that one colleague could be a direct report, could be your boss. If you start having more conversations, you're going to get better at it. Because as you said, Galen, we talked about the intention. If we have an intention, we take some action on it. I get excited. People say, you know what? I had this conversation with this person and, and, and we came to a better understanding because it doesn't happen with, I need you to show up in this way. Right. It's kind of like, it's not about what you need. It's about your curiosity. So have some fun with it. Try something. Wow, man. I, I just really love your commitment and your passion to the space that you're in. And I am just so appreciative that you agreed to share with us, man. So with that, man, ra- raise your, raise your four roses. All right. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying this, this McKenna. I definitely would recommend it. You need to check this out. I will check it out. I'll, it'll be in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Bardstown, I believe. Bar- every, everything's in Bardstown, Kentucky, it seems. It's, it's a heavy populated bourbon town for sure. All right, man. Well, I'm going to bring you into the VIP room. Until next time, cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.